Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. Today's episode is all about dealing with imposter syndrome. Now, if you haven't heard the term before, it doesn't mean you have to disguise yourself with a pair of googly eyes and a fake moustache. Instead, it's that feeling you get when you think you shouldn't be in the position you're in. That you aren't knowledgeable enough, even though you have all the expertise and the experience you need to be where you are. We share some of our experiences of imposter syndrome and offer suggestions on how we can all deal with it. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to today's show and the May challenges are in full swing and my goodness our Facebook page has been so busy. It seems that once again our Quick Kicks challenge has been the most popular with Miniature May and Imagination May coming in at a very close second. Actually, some of you have been doing three challenges in one, drawing teeny-weeny pictures from their imagination with their non-dominant hand, which I thought was really clever. So thank you so much for sharing all of your lovely work with us across social media. It's always so lovely to see. Tara, did you see KD's post of her sketchbook tour? Yeah, fantastic. I love her stuff. She said it was the first sketchbook she'd ever filled and it was full of drawings from our challenges. And I was so envious when I saw it because her sketchbook looks really like interesting and I don't know, I think I'm going to have to jazz mine up a bit soon because my one's a bit boring really. Um, But anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed looking at that and I'd love to see some more sketchbook tours this year. I'm thinking maybe towards the end of the year, maybe perhaps in December, we ought to get everybody who wants to, to film like a sketchbook tour of what they've been doing during the year for the challenges. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be cool, yeah. I was wondering whether to make a little video just um, showing people some apps that you can use just to put together a simple slideshow. What about you, Tara? What's caught your eye? There's quite a few things. Like, I couldn't believe how good Sally Ann Millard is at drawing with her non-dominant hand. I mean, wow. Uh, And then I love the little watercolours by Julie McCabe and Claire Dunphy. And I'm also loving the work of a new person in our group called Yikwan Christina. I don't know if that's the right way around, if it's Christina Yikwan, but I apologise if I got that wrong. She does the most beautiful little imagination sort of watercolours. They're lovely. Really nice. So, so how are you getting on with the challenges? Well, I'm doing the quick kicks. I'm doing the left-handed challenge and, well, the non-dominant handed challenge. And um, I, it's really strange because at first when I pick the pencil up, it feels like an alien. It really does. And it feels like my brain just won't connect to my left hand. It's really strange. But I, I am actually finding the results are surprising because... They're not terrible. I thought they would be absolutely <laughs> terrible, but they're not terrible. I mean, they're not good, but they, they do look like what they're meant to look like. But what's really strange is that whilst I can kind of do the outlines of something, I am doing a very... It is slow. It's a slow process. Um, but what I'm really finding is that I can't shade. I literally have no control over shading. It's like I, I did this little pair of sunglasses and I was going to fill in the, the lenses, but it it was like a three-year-old child trying to stay within the lines it it just wouldn't happen wonder why i don't know i couldn't do it. i did the same though because i actually Ooh. drew stuff and i drew a face and then i was trying to like put a little bit of shading for like you know under a cheekbone no how the heck do you do that so odd but it is supposed to you know it's supposed to unlock the creative side of the brain isn't it so i thought well if i do a month of this then you know it should be then you're gonna be really unlocked I am. Yeah, I'll be like you. God, my God, what is going to happen when your brain is completely unlocked? <laughs> I tried to think. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I, I, I have been surprised. It's it's not as hard as I ex- expected it to be, you know. Um, as I say, it takes me a lot longer to do. And it actually makes my hand ache as well. Do you think that's because I'm using different muscles maybe that I don't normally? Yeah, I guess you don't normally use them. And I found that with doing the sort of continuous drawings last time that I'd get part way through, even though it's using my right hand. Oh. And you, you, I'd literally have to take my hand off, leave my pen on the paper and then put my hand back. Uh, Weird. Yeah, 
Yeah. And what about this challenge? How are you finding that? Yeah, well, I've been doing mainly the um, the miniature one, the miniature main, yeah. and I've been creating faces. And I started off with this great intention that I was going to do all my faces in watercolour. I think that lasted a day. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how impatient I am, mm-hmm. and I like to be experimental. And, yeah, I just found it a little bit boring, uh, because, probably because I'm not very good at it, and so it takes me longer. So yesterday I did something I found really fun, which was I did a little acrylic but I set myself a time constraint so I gave myself 20 minutes now it's definitely not a work of art but it was so much fun because I knew I couldn't overwork it I knew how to be quick and it just made the world a difference so yeah yeah I do think if you enjoy something it definitely shows in the result well, I don't know if it showed in this result, but it, it was, <laughs> it was definitely yet. fun. I'll have to he's check got, out. He's slightly droopy eye, man, but oh. never mind. No. <laughs> so what's been happening with you? Uh, well, I finally found some inspiration for my next painting, thank goodness. Um, and somebody has also asked me to do a commission for them as well. So that should keep me busy for the next few weeks at least. Um and also, I've I've got to uh, Loxley, you know, the company Loxley, they sell oh, yeah. canvases and things. They sent me a canvas, a free canvas, actually, which was lovely because um, they wanted me to try it. Um, so I've got to do that. Um, I haven't got around to doing it yet. And I had an email from them the, the other day saying, oh, how did you find it? And I, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. So that's another one on my list. So there's going to be three canvases, hopefully, on the go soon. And I'm really looking forward to picking up my brushes again because, um, well, I haven't painted since I finished my huge marble commission. Um, we, I have been looking after someone that's been really poorly, so that's <clears throat> that's why. But um, I'm sort of able to go back in the studio now. Um, but I think I did need a little bit of a break after that marble painting anyway, just to catch up with myself, really. But I always feel at my happiest when I've got a painting on the go. And if, if I haven't, I feel like there's something missing. Oh yeah. yeah. So what is the new one um, you're doing? Have you actually are you able to share it? And have you started drawing it out yet? No, I'm not going to not going to say it just yet. But it will be very bright, of course. And I will say it's glass. <laughs> well, you went up to London, didn't you? Or down? I don't know. Was it up or down to you? Up, 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 up to London um, recently. And I know you went in that bar. We went to the French house in Soho, which was really nice. It was a really quaint little pub. And apparently it's where a lot of the old masters and the poets used to meet up and talk about their work. So it was really nice. And I actually saw that on that programme. Do you remember Fake or Fortune? I think you've told me about it before. I don't think I've watched it. Yeah, well, they did a bit of filming in there when they were talking about whether something was fake or or not. Um, and uh, yeah, so I sort of thought, oh, I'm going to go there one day. It's really weird because on the film, when they filmed it, it looked much bigger than it. When you're actually in there, it's like being in a broom cupboard <laughs> having a drink. So were there any other artists there? Is there a, an art vibe going on there now? Do you know what? There was a real eclectic mix of people. There were some real young sort of hip dudes, you know, that you just think have come fresh out of the art college. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where you can, you know, you can see the outside world through their ears, that sort of, do you know what I mean? Yeah, are we old hip dudes? I don't, I think we're spring chickens. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> They're just babies. <laughs> so there, there's that type. And then there's a really, really old men, you know, the really old men with the great big noses and like the one you really want to draw, <laughs> just hanging oh, over yeah. the bar with their, and they only serve half pints don't know why but they only serve half half pints it's been a rule from day one uh, it's a really interesting place everyone's anyone who doesn't know it's going to be really bored by all this but if anyone goes <laughs> to london visit the french house in soho i thought it was great but anyway what's 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 new with you well i went to an acrylics workshop i think i mentioned yeah. it a couple of podcasts ago which was i really enjoyed actually but more i think i more enjoyed the fact that i was meeting other arty people in person yeah, which was really cool. There was there was a, uh, a lady sitting next to me. She was really nice, and she was saying how she basically goes to them to meet people as well. And because she'd go to work and she'd talk about like that TV program we were talking about, the painting challenge. Yeah, and and like nobody had a clue what she was talking about. It was driving her nuts, sort of thing. Yeah. So that so that was really good, and it was just a demo on painting really sort of strong lighting. And the guy was amazing. He did a demo. How quickly. 
he could create this street scene with like he'd obviously done it quite a few times with this light coming in you know he, he must have been standing there for about 10 minutes and he'd got this scene done amazing and then also i did some sketching in a cafe at the weekend we tried to go to an open sailing day and we went a day late so we ended up at this little cafe we sat outside it was terrible food but i got to draw people because obviously there was loads of people sitting outside on these picnic benches and they were quite a distance away and i've been wanting to do that for ages so yeah i saw it i saw it and it was absolutely great i thought it was such a good sketch and you're braver oh, than so me. so loose, yeah. so loose and scribbly. But I like but... that. I think that's why I like it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite... I'm, I feel... I always feel a little bit... Um, <clears throat> I don't know, like I'm going to get noticed. Oh, I think one woman did notice me. Mm. She was sitting there with these two two old guys and clearly <laughs> she looked bored out of her brain. She'd got her sunglasses on. They were sort of looking at each other and then she was sort of sh- um, swiveling round on the bench mm. looking around and she definitely clocked me but I had my sunglasses on. Secret disguise. <laughs> it was it's funny because about about two years ago, I was talking to an artist from New York, and she um, she would blog and she would do all these faces, amazing faces, sketches, obviously, and she'd refer to them as sketches she did from the um, from the tube. And I and I looked at these faces, thinking, God, how how do you get that much detail? I mean, they were fantastic, and they were literally head on, like they must have been directly opposite her. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I emailed her one day and said, you know, I'd love to have that confidence. How on earth do you get people not to notice you on the tube? Turns out, in America, the tube means the TV. Oh. <laughs> and I was thinking of the train. I was thinking of the underground train. Yeah. And she said, no, no, oh, it's no. the tube, the tube. You know, the TV. I was like, oh, I've never heard it referred to as a as a tube before <laughs> funny enough I, at this um, art workshop I went to I was chatting to another lady and saying how I really you know fancied sketching people and I like doing faces Ooh. and she, she was she was really good but she said what she used to do and she had a smartphone she hasn't got one anymore but she said she used to walk along the road you know in town yeah and she'd have a smartphone out like she was going to make a call or something. And then she'd be click, click, click. <laughs> <laughs> all, these, all these people unknowingly getting snapped yeah. for her reference. Good idea. Good yeah. idea. It's the thing about a workshop as well is you're instantly, you've got common ground with the people there, haven't you? So it's really yeah. easy to sort of meet people and connect with them really, you know. And Maybe you could sort of like agree to sketch each other in your in your class. Yeah, well, I think... They always do different workshops. Ooh. So the next one they've got, there is a portrait one, but it's full. So I can't go to that one, unfortunately. Ooh. But there is one next, it's a watercolour one. So they have very set, you know, set things each month. So, yeah, I don't know if that's an option. Yeah, it's a li- I, it's could a li- go, I could go and not to the workshop and just draw them. <laughs> <laughs> what about life drawing? Are you going to do life drawing? Well, there are some local classes. I have thought about it. But, they're, well, they're not actually classes. They're more... So as in no tuition, you just go and yeah. draw. But she yeah. said people will help you if you want. Yeah. So I, I'd really like to have a bit of tuition in it, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been to a few life drawing classes and one day the model didn't get there. So one of the actual people had to, um, they stepped in. They didn't take their clothes off, <laughs> mind you. <laughs> that would have been interesting. But um, yeah, now that was quite an interesting experience. I think one of the funniest paintings I've ever seen was a painting of... Um, a clothed model standing in the middle of the room yeah with loads of naked artists at their easel painting the clothed oh. model which i thought was <laughs> oh, good. really cool yeah really good yeah. anyway i'm waffling we're waffling oh no i've got to tell you something you just said that actually because we need to get this in as well I, john bergerman Ooh! <laughs> hey i see i got it in he was talking on his blog or i was reading the blog post saying about how he and a load of artist friends they all went to some something or other where they all got their kit off and drew each other really <laughs> yeah and i thought oh my god i'm not going to one of those <laughs> no no i wonder yeah. what danny gregory would think of that. I don't, yeah well done got it in yeah i don't think he would do naked people i don't know well you don't you never know do you no no i don't know who knows no. who knows Anyway, we should get on. Today's episode is all about how to deal with imposter syndrome. And it sort of follows on quite nicely, I think, from our last episode, episode nine, which was all about how to deal with negative feedback. 
Only imposter syndrome is a kind of negativity that comes from within. According to Wikipedia, imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon, I can't even say that word, <laughs> phenomenon, fraud syndrome or the imposter experience is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalise their accomplishments and they have a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. The term was coined in 1978 by clinical psychologists. Despite external evidence of their competence, those exhibiting the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success they've achieved. Proof of success is dismissed as luck, timing, or as a result of deceiving others into thinking they're more intelligent and more competent than they really are. Or, in layman's terms, it's basically feeling like a fake. Oh, didn't I do well reading that out? <coughs> I hate reading out stuff like that. I can never do it. <laughs> no, I start. I, I want to yawn when I start. <laughs> <laughs> You're boring yourself, are you? <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> imposter syndrome, you can you can notice it in yourself if like you fear, feel inferior to other people in your field or you've got that fear of being found out that you don't really know as much as you know you think you should about a topic or there's that lack of self-confidence and belief procrastination i'm very good at that one you <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yeah uh, and feelings of self-doubt so have you ever experienced this i was just ticking every one of those as you were reading them out yeah uh, what about you tell me about you first oh god yes about every one of those as well I think one of my earliest experiences was when I started a new design job and it was at a local agency and a, another guy started at the same time and he was absolutely amazing he used to create the most beautiful layouts you've ever seen absolutely lovely guy but I felt so inferior but what what I realized you know I had that imposter syndrome because this guy completely outshone me but yeah after a while I thought well he is exceptional you know in my opinion he shouldn't have even been at that company he should have been at one of the top agencies you know he was that good mm. and although he could design the most amazing posters and brochures and they they just look beautiful I was much stronger at him than coming up with, you know, clever advert and campaign ideas. Yeah. So I was much more of an ideas person, whereas he was much better at the kind of making things look beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that's that's one of the things. It's noticing, yes, you may not be as strong as that person, but maybe that person is, you know, they're just way, way above that level anyway. And And also you've got other strengths. So what about you? Tell me about yours. Oh, yeah, I've had it on and off for, I think, for years. I, I remember going back to the early, you know, years when I was starting sort of to blog and paint and whatnot. <clears throat> I remember when I first started blogging and I used to follow lots of other people who had blogs as well. And I, I'd not long been painting and it took me such a long time to pluck up the courage to comment on anyone's work because I just didn't feel qualified to have an opinion and I'm not even talking about making any kind of criticism because I would never do that. But I'm talking about simply saying that I liked something, which is really odd, really, because that was just how I felt. Um, so I used to follow along all these artists silently. And yet I had so many comments on my own stuff coming in, which was really lovely. But I just couldn't pluck the courage up to comment on anyone else's for ages because I just didn't feel like I had a place to. Um, and I mean, I, I used to post my work out there in a very different way than I do now. <clears throat> so when I first started, what I would do is I'd put the painting on the blog and then underneath I'd say something along the lines of, um, I know that the ellipse is a bit off and I know the shadow isn't in the, quite the right place, but it would always start with something like that. So I always seemed to point out my mistakes in all of my blog posts. Um, and then one day I received an email from another artist who I've spoken out bef about before, Suzanne Berry. Um, oh, yeah. And she emailed me and said um, that she'd noticed that I was always pointing out my mistakes when in reality, if I hadn't have done that, the likelihood is that nobody would ever have even noticed. Um, and she said to me that I needed to appear confident about my own work, otherwise nobody else was ever going to feel confident in it. Um, and that piece of advice really stuck with me and she really made sense. And because this was an artist who I really, really admired and I looked up to, I really took it in. 
And from that day on, I never ever posted any negative thoughts about my work. I simply put the painting up, wrote a bit about it, and that's what I've been doing ever since. But what's interesting now is that years later, I have another artist friend and the boot really is on the other foot. Now, th this is a brilliant and talented artist that I'm talking about <clears throat> and she doesn't have a blog or anything like that, but she does post her work on Facebook. Um, and when she first got her Facebook page up and running, she'd put paintings um, up and then pretty much apologize for them. Um, which is really strange because she's a really good artist. But I remember one specific post and I, it said something along the lines of, um, I think it said, not everyone's cup of tea, I know, but... And then she carried on with whatever she was going to say. And I, that's the thing, I can't remember what came after. That's the only bit I saw was not oh, everyone's cup shame. of tea. And, and that's the point. And that's the bit that everyone takes in, isn't it? And the problem is that everyone looking at the painting is then left wondering if the artist themselves even like it and there is no way that anyone's ever going to sell anything like that um so as soon as i saw that particular post i messaged her and said please please take that post down straight away and then i sent her a bit of text that i would have used if it was my painting you know which said something obviously completely different and most importantly it was positive um now even though she's very talented she is just how I used to be when I very first started. So she's embarrassed to post something. And I wonder if it might be because it could be perceived as showing off. But the fact is, if you're an artist and you're posting your work, um, it's not about showing off at all. You've got to put it out there. Everyone's got to have a shop window. But luckily, I mean, she really did understand what I was saying. And she's she's taken it in just like I did, thank goodness. And now her posts are all poly, you know, positive, which is really good to see. Well, I think I'm quite guilty of what you said she does, although I'm not actually trying to sell my work, but I know I definitely point out the mistakes. And and the weird thing is, like you were saying about your ellipses, sometimes those mistakes can actually be part of the charm to other people. You know, oh. the imperfections are kind of the nice bits. Um, but, but I think that, you know, it is important that we do question our abilities. And sometimes, you know, having a little bit of imposter syndrome almost means we push ourselves forward, you know, improve our skills and learn new things but it's it's detrimental if we take it too far for example like you were saying about your friend i don't was she trying to sell the work at the same time yeah yeah i mean that's definitely going to come across as a buyer is going to see that and think well if she doesn't like her work you know why would i and like you said they might stop at the bit where she said it, it's not not good um i know we've really got to give the outward impression of being confident even if we're not i know i know that myself for design I've been to meetings and I have to kind of G myself up oh. for, the, for these briefings, even if I'm not remotely interested or not feeling remotely confident about what I'm doing. I've got to appear to be. Um, you've been painting for years, so I imagine now you've kind of got over that, haven't you? The imposter syndrome? Uh, no, actually. <clears throat> no, not at all. I, I often feel that way, to be honest. Um, I don't think there's ever a time when I step back from a successful painting, um, when I've taken my final brush stroke and, and thought, wow, great job. <laughs> you know, instead I always think, how did I do that? And I think that I'm never going to be able to do it again and it's just another fluke. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so actually I, I suppose I've always thought of myself as a serial fluker, which is funny really. I like that feeling. I know that sounds weird, but I love that feeling of, obviously I can't paint amazing like you, but that looking at something and thinking, how did I do that? I love that. Yeah, but then I always think, how if I don't know how I did it, how am I going to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. And I think there's always that with me. There's always that fear. There's always this gap between paintings. And I think a lot of it is that fear. What if I can't do it again? What if this one won't be a success? So I'm, I'm very much a what if. And once I get started, I'm fine. But it's that nervousness that, oh, gosh, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe all the last 20 paintings I've done have all been a fluke, you know, and it's, <laughs> that's just how it feels. But there are other times when I felt like an imposter too. Um, I think my paintings, they've been published in about four different, I think it's four different magazines now. And the last time... And one of them was on the front cover of an art magazine. And it was really weird because whilst I was obviously elated to see my work in a magazine, especially on the front of one, I was also feeling a bit like I shouldn't be there. 
So why were you on? Why were you on there? Did you submit to um, an exhibition or a competition or? Yeah, it? it was a competition. Um, I just put my work in there, and and I got a letter saying we'd love to feature your painting on the front of the magazine. Wow. How would you feel about that? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I terrible. Yeah, yeah. I was so happy. Um, and as much as it made me feel amazing, it also made me feel like an imposter, which is really weird. Um, and I suppose it's a bit like that as well. Since we've been doing this podcast, um, it's weird because I never feel strange when I'm talking into the mic to you because basically we're just having a conversation. But I do, of course, have to do a little bit of editing at the end. And when I do... <laughs> a lot of editing. <laughs> well, it depends how much we waffle, doesn't it? But, um, you know, when I do, it, it means I've got to listen to myself back, which is a really weird feeling. And I think that's why I edit very little or as little as possible because then I don't have to listen to all of it and the thing is if I hear myself <laughs> back I just think who am I to be a podcaster what on earth makes me think that I should be doing this but when I put it into perspective I'm an artist you're a graphic designer we are just sharing what we know with people out there who might be feeling a certain way or needing certain information and there's actually nothing wrong with that at all and I'm assuming that if anyone didn't like it they wouldn't be listening but it's just hard to get past that feeling of well you know who am I do you know what I mean how how about you do you get it even now or or not anymore oh, yeah totally I mean when we talk on this podcast and we, we're always very open aren't we that you know you're the you're the artist who's been doing this for a long time I'm the designer but I've started drawing and stuff again mm. but even then I, I when I talk about art sometimes I feel like who am I to be talking about art you know there's artists out there that have been painting for years that are doing amazing stuff and I've just started drawing again. So, yeah, definite imposter thing there. But whereas anybody can talk about it, it doesn't even matter if you draw or not, you can talk about it and you have an opinion. Absolutely. Um, and also, I still get it ridiculously after 20-odd years, whenever I send a design job to a client, I get that niggly feeling that, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough to be sending this. And if they take a while to come back to you, I always think the worst. I think, they don't like it. Oh, my God, they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and quite often you'll get, about, you know, you'll get this email back saying, we absolutely love this. And you think, you know, what have I sat there worrying about and feeling like, you know, a fraud for? Um, definitely say with a podcast. One of the worst things I've had recently was when I was making my ideas course because I was so worried that people wouldn't think I was qualified to make it. I took forever to actually get round to doing it. And I've actually been, you know, using those methods for my design work for years. And I've been reading however many books on the topic I can get my hands on. And yet I still felt like, what have I got? Why? I know I haven't got this bit of paper that says you are qualified to teach creative thinking. And therefore I felt, should I be doing it? It's quite bizarre. Does that say in, you've heard fake it till you make it? Yes, yeah. Well, I always think there should also be another one saying, you know, fake it even though you've made it. Oh, right. Okay, that's interesting. Explain. <laughs> because quite often you're feeling like an imposter even though you are the, at the level you should be to be doing whatever you're doing, Ooh. if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're not, you're not faking it till you've made it. You're already, you've already made it to that level. You just, you just almost feel like you've got to fake it to be that person. I think you have got to fake it somewhat to almost have that confidence. I think when fake it till you make it rings true is more when you're stretching yourself to do something that you've either not done before or you're a bit of a novice at. And I think loads of people are doing this in business. I think pretty much all the time. I had this old boss who was absolutely brilliant saleswoman. And she would go to these meetings and people would ask her to do certain things. You know, can you do this job for us? And she'd go, yeah, yeah, no problem. We can sort that out for you. And then she'd come back and say, oh, my God, I've got to work out how to do this. She'd have absolutely no clue. But she was so good <laughs> at fronting it. And she would always work out how to do it because she was that sort of person. But she just had that amazing confidence or the appearance of confidence in front of people. Because she knew that she would find somebody who could do it, or she'd get back to the office and one of us would know how to do yeah. it. She knew she would sort it out, and so she would just say yes. Very good saleswoman. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. So the thing is, how do we get over it then? How can we help ourselves to overcome that feeling of not being good enough, or that we're fraud, or that somehow we're going to be found out? Well, one way uh, 
does sound a bit woo-woo, but I think it could be really effective, is to wear a different hat when you're putting yourself out there publicly. And I mean this quite literally. So I heard the author, Sarah Painter, talking about this quite recently. Um, And she has suffered with imposter syndrome for years. And she said that by wearing a specific hat when she's going to do something such as a public, you know, public speaking, um, it really helped her. So I guess that's a bit like taking on an alter ego. And I kind of like that idea. And our suggestion, which also might sound a bit weird, is to associate something with your public self. For example, Mike Young or also known as Youngman Brown from the Your Creative Push podcast, who, by the way, will be on our show very soon. Um, He lights what he calls a chakra candle whenever he records a podcast episode. So the scent of it immediately puts him into podcasting mode. Um, And I think they're really good ideas, both of those. What about you? Well, I haven't got any good hats. I've only got a really woolly, sticky-up one. (laughs) I'm not quite sure if it'll have the right effect. (sighs) I have some dark glasses, some, like sunglasses i'm thinking they might be quite good to hide behind true or maybe maybe a dunce's hat (laughs) (laughs) oh that's not very nice (laughs) no i think that'd be me (laughs) (laughs) so i i think there's other ways you can manage it other than hats um you can remember what you've achieved in the past you can even write yourself a list and go back and look at that just to make yourself feel feel more confident and remember that you know just because you feel that way doesn't mean you are you know, less knowledgeable or inferior to other people. Uh, And also remember that some really famous people, even movie stars, have had those kind of feelings. So just because you feel it, it doesn't mean it's true. Oh, that's such, yeah, I agree 100% with that. Uh, And, you know, when you receive positive feedback, you really do need to embrace it because don't forget, if you choose not to believe it, then you're just insulting the judgment of the person who gave it to you. So think about it. It's always so frustrating, isn't it? When you um, say to someone how lovely they look and then the first thing they say is, oh no, I don't, I look awful. Um, I've put on so much weight, blah, blah, blah. And then you look sideways at them and think, well, you know, I actually thought you were look really nice. But, but the fact <laughs> I thought is... you were going to say, oh, yes, you have got a bit of a belly on you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, we all see ourselves in a very different light to how other people see us. And that's the important thing to remember. And I must say that whenever my husband or anyone else pays me a compliment, I always try just to say thank you, however I'm feeling in myself rather than to follow it by pointing out all of the bits I don't like about myself because basically it's just so frustrating for the person who pays you the compliment if you do that well well, my partner's really funny because he will say oh your hair looks really nice and it'll be the the times I've just got out of bed (laughs) or or like I've just done it really quickly and then I think you're having a laugh because <laughs> <laughs> I think I said but it looks really messy and I go I like it messy you know, you'll, have to, you'll have to bring back combing back <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe um but I can't help thinking there's a Britishness about not taking compliments and I wonder if other nationalities are much better at it because I think we've had it inbuilt into us I don't know why. Do you, do you think it's like that? I think you might be right because we're very well known for apologising um, for everything, uh, which is so true. I mean, somebody can bump into me and I'll say sorry. Yeah. It's really strange, it, but it's true. I do think it, it may be a much more of a British thing. I don't know I if, if American. Maybe maybe our American listeners or other nationality listeners can tell us <laughs> tell us what they think. Yeah, I think the Americans might be much better at taking compliments than we are. Yeah. Um, but but I think if you are concerned, you know, ask a friend what, what they think. Do they suffer from the same feelings? Do you suffer from the same feelings, Sandra? You do, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, I, I once heard a guy on a podcast, and I can't remember which one. It might even been Mike's. It might even been Creative Push. I can't remember. Yeah. But he was saying he went to a workshop with other artists and illustrators. And he said he felt really, really inferior, even though he was amazing, his work. Mm. And because he, he was alongside all these amazing people that he really admired, but what he found out later when he was chatting to them, they they all felt exactly the same thing about you know seeing his work. So you really don't know what's going on in all those people. You're thinking, oh my god, they're so good. They might be thinking exactly the same about you. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And the thing to remember as well is if you suffer from imposter syndrome it actually suggests that something very positive is going on in your life. So 
people who suffer from imposter syndrome are statistically usually one of the following. So they're either someone who's trying to get somewhere, someone who's already getting somewhere, someone who's already got somewhere, <laughs> or they're often just highly motivated people and often high, highly talented people. So all of these are really positive things. I mean, they suggest some level of success, whether it's at the early stages or much later on. But the bottom line is people who are unsuccessful tend not to suffer from it. You know, in fact, the most likely people to suffer from imposter syndrome are usually entrepreneurs or high achievers. So you hear about fear of failure, but actually fear of success, I think, is equally as common. And that can be a form of it, too. So you do everything you can to get as good as you can. And then suddenly somebody notices and you start to panic. And it's a much more common thing than you might think. So some people almost self-sabotage without even realising it for fear of being found out. Yeah, see, I've never really got this fear of success because I've, I've never, you know, really felt like, how could you be scared of success? Hmm, I kind but, of But maybe it. it's a subconscious, is it? It's a subconscious thing? Yeah, I think it is. I, I, I do get that, I think. That's sort of like, oh, hang on a minute. I suppose in a way, in a very small way, even when my painting went onto the front of the magazine and it's like, oh hold on, <laughs> hang on a minute, everyone's going to see this, you know. And it, it, that whole imposter syndrome, I think, came from that feeling that, oh, everyone's going to see it, what if lots of people out there don't like it and think, what you know, wonder why I'm on it and this sort of stuff. So you do get that, that sort of, as soon as good things start to happen, it's almost like, because I won an award as well, and I remember that feeling very strange. It was really good, but again, I felt like it shouldn't have been me. How funny. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't I once won a hamster cage for an art competition. <laughs> <laughs> does, does that count? What was that recently? <laughs> oh yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's when I was about seven. A hamster did you even have a hamster? No, I sold it to my friend. I can always make you an out of dog hair if you like. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's my pinnacle of my art achievement. <laughs> Well, at least you know uh, the only way is up now. <laughs> don't knock it. You'll get me having that fear of success. Uh, I guess at some time you've really got to acknowledge that you've done something to get where you where you are. And it's not all just, you know, it's not luck. You're not a fraud. You should be there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you've got to acknowledge that you did something to get where you are. You know, it can't be just all down to luck, can it? I think I think one of the reasons why imposter syndrome as well is such a big thing, um, particularly now, is because it's so much easier to compare ourselves to other people, what with the internet as it is. But the likelihood is that those people you're comparing yourself to have felt the same way at one point. They might even be comparing themselves to you. I mean, there comes a time when you've got to stop comparing yourself to other people in your field and learn to respect yourself and understand that you also have something to offer. No, you're not them. Um, you are you. But you've also got something valuable to say because you've got a different perspective. Yeah, I think sometimes we feel like frauds when we're in a room full of experts mm. and they're all in the same sort of field. But they probably just come across as more confident than we are. You know, it's not that they're any better or worse. They just got the... The bottle and the upfrontness. Um, I used to go to these startup meetings in Leicester. Basically, it was people who were thinking about starting up little businesses. And most of the people there didn't have a business yet, or they were just like in the process of starting something up. And there was this one guy, and he used to talk for hours with such confidence about this app that he was creating. And the way he spoke, you'd actually think he'd already made an absolute fortune with this thing. He'd almost gone too far the other way. And I'd sort of sit there thinking, well, I've really got anything to say because I haven't done anything yet. Even though I was pretty much probably in a similar situation to him, whereas I had loads of ideas for apps, mm. you know, I just hadn't done them, you know, yet. And really, we could have done with meeting in the middle. So that was, you know, a bit of his confidence, but not quite the cockiness that he had, you know, the complete gobshiteness. That's my favourite <laughs> word was. I think confidence and cockiness, two very, very, very different things, aren't they? Did you Do you ever know if his app um, actually happened or not? No idea, because oh. no, I, I went for a little while, and but they started to get, so you got a lot of people like that, and to be honest, it wasn't for me then. Mm. Yeah. 
So no, I stopped going. So I th- I think we definitely adapt anyway to who who we're in a room with. So you know, I'd I'd speak differently to sort of friends I walk the dog with than I would with say other experts in the same sort of field. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, what about you? it made me laugh the other day. Um, <clears throat> it was my dad actually. He listened to one of our podcast episodes, and he texted me and said something along the lines of. Well, it took about seven minutes for you to lose the BBC voice. <laughs> I much prefer it after that. But the thing is, you know, it's because he knows the real me. And as soon as the two of us get lost in our conversation and it starts to flow, then of course we, you know, we we're natural then. But um, it did make me chuckle when he said that. <laughs> Do you know which one he was listening to? Yeah, he was actually listening to the Tracy Fletcher King um, interview. Oh, right. So I wasn't on that one. No, you weren't. No, he's, I know he's listened to them all, but he just happened to pick up on that one. <laughs> yeah. You were quite nervous on that one as yeah, well, weren't you? Because you hadn't done an interview I, before. No, I hadn't done an interview before. And I think I texted my dad and said, oh, dad, I did my first ever interview today. You know, um, and and I said I was really nervous, even though it was Tracy, he was a friend. Um, yeah. You know, it was, I, I still found it quite, you know, scary. It's the imposter thing. <laughs> it is. Well, I, th- I think friends and family are, are quite funny as well because I've done little freebie design jobs for people, you know, people I know. Mm. And they've seen what I've done and they say, oh, that looks really professional. And you think, oh, what the hell have I been doing for the last 20 years? And, uh, it's like they're shocked. Um, yeah, um, and me and Kevin, uh, we are now have an in-joke, you know, so it'll be like, ooh, that looks really professional. <laughs> I think sometimes you can feel more of an imposter when you know your family or friends are following you because they know the real you. They know that when you say something like, I don't know, this is pants on a podcast – you might not always say it in such a way if you weren't speaking into the microphone. You might say it in a slightly more colourful way. But even so, that still doesn't make you a fraud. It just makes you polite and socially aware. I wouldn't say you were that polite. <clears throat> oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> you were rather insulting about my nose whistle. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, <laughs> anyone who didn't see that little cartoon, that was hilarious. It really cracked me up. If if you do feel like the fraud, the bottom line is it's probably a good sign. It means you're pushing yourself to do better and even that you're actually doing better than you expected. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace the imposter. Yes. Shall we quickly talk about the June challenges before we read out the answers to the question we asked on the last episode? Shall we indeed? Mm. Yes. Um, I've got them all written down. Have I got to read them all? Yeah. Okay. Right, you, know I don't, <laughs> you know I don't like reading. Right, we've got copious June, and that is to replicate a sketch, drawing or painting by a master or from an art book every day throughout the month. And why are we doing this, Sandra? I'm going to make you do a bit as well. Copious June, why are we doing that? Well, yes. <clears throat> we are doing that because I think you can learn so much from copying um, because you're learning techniques. It doesn't even have to be like the masters. I mean, I've got a, a book... I can't remember what it's called now. It's a big, it's like a massive, huge, big book. And it's all—it's basically a drawing course. But some of the drawings in are, in are absolutely beautiful. Some of them are old master drawings, but some of them are just drawings by tutors and whatnot. But you, when, you're, when you're actually copying what they're doing, you're learning little techniques, you're learning mark making, and you're understanding how that artist's mind was working when, when you're doing that. And I've, I've learned a lot from doing that in the past, just silly little things methods of shading and all this sort of stuff there was one though I did I copied one drawing from a master I can't I think it might have been a Leonardo and I found it really hard to shade because he did it in a completely different direction but then afterwards I realized it's because he's left-handed <laughs> a left-handed problem again yeah so I was trying to do these sort of shading thinking this is a really weird way of shading but then I realized it's because uh, that's alien to me to do that way if you know what I mean yeah you can tell yeah. can't you when when you look at a drawing you can actually tell if someone's left-handed by the angle of their shape the way the shading goes oh can you Ooh. I've never noticed yeah all right um we've also got cartoon in June now this is a challenge to create a cartoon every single day throughout the month your cartoon could be a single character or entire comic strip and you can use any medium and also there I mean the stuff I like to do I'd like to add silly one-liners in there and make them a bit funny but you don't have to you can just do something that looks like a cartoon character yeah and we've got quick 
June and this one is going to be to create a colour sketch in 10 minutes or less. We thought people really loved the five minute sketching one. What was that? Five minute March, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Uh, and then someone asked us to bring in some sort of colour to the challenges. So we thought this might be a, a fun one to do and it's great for people who tend to overwork their sketches as well. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like the five minute March, but you've got an extra five minutes to chuck on some colour, haven't you? So yeah, chuck on, chuck, chuck it on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you reckon you'll do? Um, I think I will probably go for copyist June. Yeah. I think that's what I'll do because I've done a couple of the quick kicks ones now, and I think that I need to do something that's gonna, yeah, challenge me a bit more maybe. Yeah. I think I'm going to do the quick kick June. Um, we better read out the previous question, haven't we? Yeah. Which was, what would be your dream creative project? I think you've got the first answers. I have. Um, okay, so Cheryl Martin. She says, um, me, it would be seeing my poetry in print and bring back a number one bestseller that was poetry. Uh, Sally Ann Millard, to write and illustrate a children's book. Well, we're doing that, aren't we, Tara? Well, we're not illustrating it. No, we're, we're not writing we're it. Not, well, maybe you might in- illustrate it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How many words? We must be up to about 6,000 or so words, are we now? Oh, goodness knows. I don't know. Yeah, it's been going on a while, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it has. About time we killed that floss off, I think. <laughs> Carolina Newman. Um, making illustrations for books or doing a portrait commission for someone well-known for a lot of money. Oh, yeah, great. I'll be up for yeah. that as well. Um, Tracy Fletcher King um, to have an artist's residency in a blue and white porcelain factory but of course I would like it to be close to home have an endless supply of tea and chocolate on hand and perhaps a puppy to keep me company <laughs> oh Tracy has great answers she always she? does yeah Laura Horster, I think that's why I gave it to you <laughs> or Horster. <laughs> sorry Laura if I got that wrong um dream creative po- project would be telling an epic story using clothes and I don't have to sew the clothes. I just draw beautiful pictures and make beautiful shapes with fabric and then someone else has to make the patterns and sew it all and translate my insane ramblings into working garment. Oh, my God, that's such a good yeah, answer. I, th- I think Laura um, trained as a fashion designer. Oh, that's I see. where the clothes element come in, yeah. Ah. So I've got Lynn Radford um, and she says, my dream... My dream project is my proposed Trash Bubbles, a poetic exploration of trash travel exhibit. I hope I've said that right. The exhibit boasts examples from artists around the globe alongside my own Trash Bubble creations. Designed to create an awareness and appreciation of trash as an art, a workshop component offers a hands-on experience to participants. And she's currently seeking funding for that project. And I've got Pete Limforce. I have a current challenge I set myself to create another 600 pieces of art slash design slash photo manipulation by the end of 2018, would all of them be accepted by Pixabay? I set that in December 2017 and so far have another 450 plus to go. Now, Pete, I think he's trying to um, get his name out there a little bit more by creating loads of digital art that he's given away for free. Right, yeah. And then we've got Yardell Perkins. Now, he wrote a book during our February Fables Challenge and he says, my current dream creative project is to single-handedly create a solid, simple and visually appealing game in the vein of Cave Story. I'm not quite sure what Cave Story is, but basically it's an electronic game. Maz Hawes, she says, travelling through South America, meeting people and hearing their stories and painting dramatic abstract pieces to expressively capture the energy and spirit of the continent. When can I start? Oh, Oh, that sounds amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't like landscape, would you? No, but travelling around and just painting, you know, how lovely. So, the new question. What is your favourite famous painting and why? What's yours? Oh, do you know what? I should have thought of this. And, and the thing is... <laughs> I don't know either. I, I, I've got, I have got one I love and I, I'm pretty sure it's Edward Hopper. Well, I know it's Edward Hopper. I just can't remember the actual name of the painting. I think it's called Nighttime at the Café. If this is the right one, I know it's the right artist, but if that's the right title, basically it's like a night scene and it's of this street and then there's this one cafe that the lights are on and it's kind of, everyone in it's got like the, their 40s style clothes on and it just, there's, you kind of make your own story. You don't know whether it's a bit sinister or, I don't know, whether it's just a romantic meeting, but 
I really like that piece. I've always liked it. So you would think, wouldn't you, that I would know the title, (laughs) but I don't. I'll, I will, I'll try and remember to look it up and say what it was next time. Okay. Um, as always, you can tweet us your answers at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group. If you haven't joined that, go ahead and join that. Lots of people sharing their work in there. Um, we'll put the question up in there on the Facebook page and on Instagram, which both of those are Kicking the Creatives. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickingthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. So that's it. I think we're done. Yeah, I think we are. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. That'd be cool. Yeah, I was wondering whether to make a little video just um, showing people some apps that you can use just to put together a simple slideshow, maybe. I know the shower scene. Um, the only other, thing, <laughs> the only way I can give that to you is like full length, and I really don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be right. You'd put your blooming bikini on. I know. How silly. Mind you, then yeah. it wouldn't have been authentic if if my bikini top popped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but then you'd have edited it anyway. <laughs> then you could have just said something really silly like. Woo-hoo! I'm wearing my bikini. What I probably should have, actually, what I could have done if I'd have thought about it, I could have pixelated parts of the video. I'm not sure how to do that though. Oh yeah, well yeah, but I don't want to have to pixelate it. No, no, God no. But I, I... Here's my boob. Can you pixelate it, please? <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't. Have... I'll have Kevin in here in the shot. I'll, I'll help you pixelate it. <laughs> I wouldn't inflict it on you, honestly. But yeah, I could have done that if I knew how to do it. I, do, I know how to pixelate areas of a photo, but not of a video. I've never done that before, but I could probably find out how to do it. But I don't want to. I don't want to blur on your boob. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you, are you going to put this as an outtake? No. I don't want to blur on your boob. <laughs> no, I don't think I will. I think people are wondering what. Oh, I would if I was editing it. <laughs> people are wondering what we're talking about. <laughs> Shower scenes and boobs yeah. and oh god yeah, no! I think, them. Let's spare them.